Welcome to another edition of Club 400 Radio. I am here with Stu McVicker. It's been too long. It has been. I'm still trying to petition everybody for an hour-long show we're working on it with Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could probably make that happen if we need to. We have some great guests tonight. We have Becky Sarwate and Randy Richardson. Did I get that right, Becky? All right, first try. And they're actually, I found them on Facebook, and they're actually exactly what we want to have here on Club 400 Radio. I mean, I have a Cubs session, as you know, and I think you do too, William. That's right. So these guys uh, co-authored a book together called Cub Sessions. And on the front of the book, it says, Famous fans of Chicago's Northside baseball team, their stories of pain, loyalty, hope, and finally... Finally, some joy. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. I appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Now, I know that you guys are both really big Cub fans, so let's start out there about your guys' fandom and what led you into uh, basically writing this book here. Well, and uh, Randy uh, pick up on how the, the book came into life, uh, as well as his... Um his own fandom journey. We, we're both a little different, but I, I would not be part of this project without him, so I, I will let him take the lead there. Well, my story really begins uh, about a year and a half ago. My, I had written a, a book a while back uh, called Lost in the Ivy, a fiction book set, set in Wrigley Field, around Wrigley Field, and um, it was published by a local press called Eckhart's Press, and uh, and after that, I also started writing for the Wrigleyville Nation website, um, which I later invited Becky to join uh, as well when I had read a piece that she had uh, written about uh, her cup fandom. And um, so it was actually my publishers who came up with the idea for the book. And uh, sort of surprisingly, um, the, the publishers are uh, uh, Eckhart's Press, uh, one, one of the, it's actually a two-man operation. One of whom is a White Sox fan, and the other one who is a Cubs fan. And it was the the White Sox fan who actually came up with the idea for the book, um, because he first and foremost is a businessman, and he saw an opportunity to make money potentially. Um, but uh, he, they basically approached me with the idea, and uh, you know, when I first was sat down with the idea, and I thought, you know. It seemed a little overwhelming, and I and I didn't know how I was going to do it. And of course, I, I really wanted to do it, um, but it, I just you know I have a I have a day job, and uh, it, and I also run a writers organization, and I just it was a lot to take in, and um, so I was looking as to how I was going to do that, and so I came to Becky, um, who I'd been working with. Uh, on Wrigleyville Nation, and we'd all, she also had been involved with the writers' organization as well, so we had that connection. Um, but so, you know, when you know, my story as a Cubs fan is a, a, not probably your typical Cubs fan story. I am a first-generation Cubs fan, and sort of an unlikely one at that. It, um, I, I grew up. Uh, well, I was actually we had moved to. Uh, from Milwaukee uh, to the south suburbs of Chicago in 1969, which was, of course, the, the year of the Cubs' epic collapse. And uh, uh, at the time, I was only in the third grade, and I was just sort of starting to become a Cubs fan. Um, I didn't know about Northside versus Cubs side uh, 
you know, north side versus south side allegiances or anything like that. And, um, you know, when I looked at the two teams at the time, you know, the, there were the Cubs who had, you know, these four future Hall of Famers. You know, you had Fergie Jenkins, you had Ernie Banks, you had Ron Santo, you had Billy Williams. And then they also had a catcher who had my first name, Randy, Randy Hunley. Um, you know, so I obviously, I, that was the team that I just naturally sort of gravitated towards. The, the White Sox were not very interesting at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, they were also the team that was on the WGN, the Cup Superstation. And it wasn't really until a couple years later that I started noticing that I was about the only kid in my class wearing a Cubs hat, which, which I would do all the time. And, uh, uh, and so that's how I kind of that became my identity in the south suburbs of Chicago, is I was the kid that wore the Cubs hat. You were a rebel, like Randy Hunley, the rebel. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, un, you know, Becky's story is, you know, her, her story is a, a lot different than mine, which I'm sure she'll tell but you. Yes, I'm part of this book because Randy decided he needed someone to share the labor, so lucky me. <laughs> yeah, we get that. I, my first time as a book writer, I've, I've been... Um, very visible in writing about politics um, for a couple of online magazines, and yes, Wrigleyville Nation, but I've never done a full-form uh, book. So Randy's expertise and trust in me was very much appreciated, um, and it was uh, really an amazing moment even to be asked. Um, as for me, I am a fourth-generation Cubs fan, so I think when my great-grandma Zabel got off the boat, whatever year that was, uh, in the 20s or 30s, and they moved to Chicago, that was kind of it for my family. Um, we're a large, large German immigrant family. We're a very loud bunch. Uh, we all, my family grew up, both sides of my family, actually, in the North Center neighborhood. Uh, my uncle Steve was a, a, a bat boy for a brief time for the Cubs. So it just wasn't even a consideration as to whether I was going to be a Cubs fan or not. I was kind of drafted and born into it. <laughs> um, my dad also growing up, he, he's a challenging person. and. Uh, he struggles with bipolar issues, and you know, I used to think to myself, what what better you know metaphor for for being a Cubs fan throughout the because my dad came into fandom around the same time as Randy, so the 60s, 70s, and certainly parts of the 80s and 90s were very tough. Um, so it just kind of was this you know honorable thing. Uh, you kind of always hoped the World Series would happen, but it, being a fan or not, not not really a question for me. So you guys came up with this idea to write a book um, about famous Cub fans, which I think is awesome. I, I just the opportunity to do that and to talk to the people that you talk to. Um, who came? Well, first of all, who came up with the name Cub Sessions? You know, I've heard a lot of puns on what the Cubs' name is, but that was a good one. I like that. That was Randy. We actually had picked out another name first that we will not say on this radio program. Um, and a gentleman who was working on arguing with the Cubs over a trademark for that word forced us into a plan B, and Randy, being the prolific and amazing writer that he has had uh, Cub Sessions up his sleeve. I, I, I like the sound of it now, too. No, I think it's perfect. Yeah, that's great, too, that you were able to come up with it on your own. I used to work for a publishing company, and I know as a pu from the publisher's perspective, we always thought, oh, we'll come up with the title. <laughs> we know what's better, but we love the title Cub Sessions for sure. Yeah, this book really was completely our book, the publisher's really didn't uh, offer a whole lot of assistance um, along the way. They basically gave us the freedom to do pretty much everything uh, that we wanted to do with it. We, we, did, we set up all the interviews pretty much. Um, a, 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 
somebody from uh, uh, Becky's family designed the cover for it, so it really was sort of a our project. Yeah, the cover looks great. And so when you guys got the idea with how you're going to move forward with this book, what do you guys sit down and you just picked out some famous Cub fans, or how how did you go around rounding out your list? Well, you know, I I had. I had sort of a list of people that I knew from uh, years of, uh, you know, writing about the Cubs, um, and then there were, you know, there was a long list of people who we sort of just, you know, dreamt and hoped that we might be able to make a connection with uh, somehow through this book. Um, honestly, when we started, you know, we just had a long list, and I took some of the names that I knew the best. And then I gave pretty much the rest of the list to Becky, and um, we sort of split those names and uh, worked from there. And I have a very ballsy part-time assistant who has absolutely no problem cold calling places and making me sound like a very important person. Um, so I have to say his confidence probably got us in the door. Like, I, to this day, we'll never believe that Bob Newhart agreed to do the book or that, you know, Nick Offerman is in it. Like, people I've idolized in my personal life as well as fellow Cub fans. Um, and as for the book's name, too, I feel like there aren't really that many casual Cub fans, are there? <laughs> Cub Session no. is really what it is. I don't, I don't know people who are going kind of loosely into the Cubs. So, um, yeah, we, we got to talk to amazing people who share a, a unique passion with us. So was the uh, the book's broken broken down into chapters, obviously, like all books. But uh, is it a play, uh, person per chapter? Is that how you guys work this thing out? Uh, Glad you can't tell. That's, that's a testament to good editing. Because, yes, uh, Randy and I, I think we were 16 and 15. Randy did 16 of them. I did 15. And we, we really worked hard. And i got to say, Randy is a taskmaster of an editor, but he's totally right on the money. So I, I think we did a lot of work, good work, at getting sort of a unified choral voice, which was really what we were shooting for. Tell us uh, who were some of the best interviews that you had. Well, I could have talked to Bob Newhart for the rest of my life. Mm. I never. I mean, the guy's telling me about the 45 Cubs. He's telling me great stuff from, you know, filming the Newhart show in the 80s and how he feels baseball and the audience participation element is really akin to comedy. I mean, I just, I could have, I, I got to tell you, I didn't even ask him that many questions. I just was listening. Same with Joe Montana. You know, I'm sure Randy has people that he spoke with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, for me, like, you know, um, Lynn Bramer, I, I barely, even, from WXRT, uh, I barely needed to ask him a question. He just talked for like about 40 minutes straight. Typical radio guy. His, <laughs> uh, you know, his, his love of the Cubs. And, you know, it, and he, you know, the, the image that he captured of this uh, sort of childhood love of the, the Cubs, even though he didn't really even grow up a Cubs fan, he, he grew up in New York. Um, but when he... He came here in 1984 uh, when he started his job at WXRT, and he's been a he's been a Cubs fan ever since. And he basically lives, I mean, that he sets his calendar by the Cubs schedule. Um, you know, he, he's you know obviously he's a very busy guy, has a lot of appearances, but every uh, you know every October he crosses that off. So he, he he's he's always ready if uh, if the Cubs have are playing in October. Um, his, so his story I thought was fascinating. Um, there were other stories. I mean, Dennis Franz told a, a great story about how, um, you know, he, he's sort of been uh, distanced from the Cubs, but yet he still has, 
you know, feels this connection to them. And um, several of the, you know, we, there were a group of uh, who are these Cubs fans who all now live in L.A. or in other parts of the world even, who are still connected, like Joe Montaigne and Tom Dreesen, the comedian, and Adrian Zemet, the, the actor. These are people that are connected by the Cubs, and they, they um, you know, that's, that's their connection. And I think that's sort of uh, what this story is all, how they sort of all kind of come together is that for a, a lot of these people, no matter who they are or where they've been or how famous they've become, they, they have this connection. And uh, no matter, you know, where they are, it, 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 it almost becomes like one giant family. And it's a way that they, uh, they are, they're all united. Yeah, I know for a fact. Um, Tom Ricketts, if he go whenever they play LA, uh, Tom rents a big skybox out and calls all the celebrity Cub fans together. Um, sometimes they even show them on TV. But uh, Lorraine was telling me that they, whenever they go out there, it's the who's who of Cub fans, man. In the, in yeah. the skybox, I would love to be a fly on the wall in there. <laughs> was there anything from anybody that you heard that either? you know, surprised you or changed your way of thinking about being a Cubs fan? I know for me, Sarah Paretsky's story is really interesting. You know, she's a, a female novelist that I've admired for a long time, but she's a girl from small town Kansas, and I knew that going in. So I was really interested to hear, like, what was the, what, what was the road that left the, led you to Cubs fandom? And I guess it really just started from her being from such a small town in Kansas that she said, if her school was going to field a team, even a pickup game, girls had to be included. So she, you know, even though she's in her 70s, you know, she grew up in a, a place where when it came to sports, gender was completely irrelevant or else there wasn't going to be any sports. And then, you know, some of her volunteer work, which ultimately brought her to Chicago, and I'm sure is not a surprise to anyone on this call, the Cubs sucked in the 70s when she got here completely. <laughs> yep. So when she would do um, outreach for troubled teens and, and kids around Chicagoland, you know, Cubs tickets were plentiful and easy to come by. They, the Cubs were plenty willing to donate them because, frankly, they were closing the upper decks uh, some of the days back then. So I think just her story, it's like you ended up being a crime novelist. You're a woman in your 70s. You're from Kansas. Like, how does it happen? And you know, in more than one of the stories that we, I think nearly all of them, WGN obviously played a real unifying factor in a unique way at that time that, you know, streaming and cable and stuff makes it certainly easier now. But, you know, it just stru struck me how the Cubs are really such a national team. And you see it now even in this season when the Cubs go to opposing ballparks and oftentimes there's just as many Cub fans there as anyone else. So... I think that was maybe not a surprise, but I, it became a more profound realization for me, the, the nature of the uh, interconnected nature of, of being a fan. Gotcha. We are here with co-authors of Cubs Sessions, famous fans of Chicago's Northside baseball team, Randy Richardson and Becky Suarte. Uh, I was going to ask you, I think the tone, like, I think the cool thing about your book is, is that I mean, if you obviously you wrote it pre two sixteen, it would be a lot different. Obviously, on your title, uh, the story is a pain, loyalty, hope, and the finally joy. So I think this is probably one of the first books. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure you guys did your homework on your side. That focuses on the fans after the World Series championship. 
So now you got these stories that no one's ever heard before because they all have their stories of what they did, where they were, and what they were doing when the Cubs won it, won it all. Yeah, I mean, that was a big part of it, and that's why we were in a, a little bit of a rush to complete it as, you know, as fast as we did. I mean, we, we put this literally together in, a, in, in one year um, from the, you know, the, the conception of the idea to interviewing all the people that were involved, writing it, editing it, and then, you know, designing it all, all within a year. Um, but it was because we wanted to tell these stories that hadn't been told, and uh, and some of the stories I think really are pretty amazing. I mean, I, I, Joe Mantegna's I think was one of my favorites. You know. So Joe Mantegna was sitting outside his wife's restaurant in LA in a media truck uh, after the 17-minute rain delay from hell, um, and he just was like, I couldn't take crowds anymore. <laughs> so he's he's sitting in a news truck, and he ended up being one of the first people that wasn't in Cleveland to actually see the Cubs win at all, cause, but he didn't know about the 10 or 20 second delay, news delay. So he's out there in the truck, you know, freaking out, and he's like, it's dead silent out here. And, you know, a few seconds later, a roar comes through through the restaurant. And it's just, that's when Joe Montaigne, I mean, he's a legendary person, but at that moment, he's just a regular guy, a nervous Cub fan, you know, <laughs> right. wondering about curses and if the rain delay means the end of everything. You know, we were all... We were all Joe Montana, but not all of us got to be on a news truck in right. LA. Yeah, That's I mean, awesome. I know my life. I think everybody's life has a Cubs fan because I always say the Cubs fan. Being a Cubs fan is like, you know, it's kind of like a religion. You know that, you know, all the books that have been written about the Cub fans in the past have been about loyalty and losing. Now, finally, you guys were the first one to come out with the one winning, and I just think it's awesome that you got to talk to thirty-one famous Cub fans. And any other awesome Game 7 stories of uh, you could share with us? Well, Jonathan Alter from MSNBC was actually on the field. I mean, he wasn't there in a professional reporting capacity at that time. He just kind of wandered over to Cleveland with his son. Um, but because of who he is in the media, you know, he was one of the first people who got to run on the field and hug the players and honk, you know, Ben Zobris Camaro horn and see Kyle Schwarber celebrating with his little niece in the dugout and, you know, that kind of, I can't even imagine. I know what it was like at home. For me, I can't even imagine. Uh, I get choked up just thinking about it. But, you know, that's, that's a story I'm glad to have heard. That's literally an eyewitness account of what the melee and the, the, the sheer joy and the drunkenness of Bill Murray and yeah. <laughs> amazing stuff. So yeah, and I, you know, my a good friend of mine, Dave Sela, who's interviewed for the book. He he used to be known as the Shawnometer guy. Now he's the Shorbometer guy. He he bought a ticket to Game Seven, and you know, originally he was sitting in the regular seats, and somehow he managed to make it all the way into the bleachers. And he was sitting there, and he said, you know, he he was down to like his i his uh, his phone was down to like one percent power. And at the same time, he's like looking around after the, you know, after the Cubs won, and you know, he's looking around at all these people, and they're all crying around him, and you know, and he's and he's trying to capture this on his phone with their like one percent power, and you just, you could really feel like what it was, you know, what it was like to be there, and um, it, you know, um, it made me wish that I, you know, I had. I, I had been one of those people who had actually been there rather than watching it on TV like most of us. 
That's funny. I always wondered about that moment and the whole phone thing. Like, I was kind of thinking I would rather almost not have had the phone and been distracted by trying to put something on Facebook and just enjoyed the moment. Yeah. Which, which I did here at a at an establishment. I wasn't at the game, but anyway. And you guys did your homework because, you know, some people like them, some people hate them, but you included Ronnie Wu, who uh, I always say, uh, you know, he's been very good to me. You know, I'm 44 years old now, and one of my first trips ever to Wrigley, uh, we ran into Ronnie, and he took us to the batting cages, and uh, we eventually like to get him on this show, but uh, you could not leave Ronnie Wu out of this book, and you didn't, so props to you guys. Yeah, well, Ronnie has actually been probably one of our greatest supporters of the book, and he's become a good friend of ours. Uh, you know, he, we just went on a book signing with him yesterday. We took him all the way up to uh, cross the border into Bristol, Wisconsin with us, and, and the, the people up in Bristol were just, they just loved him. I mean, they, you know, he, he was at one point dancing with uh, this woman who, uh, my aunt. yeah, dancing with my aunt Diane, and it practically made her life. I don't think they've ever had that kind of excitement in Wisconsin. <laughs> and the story of Ronnie Wu, it's, I'm sure it's captured in your book, but I mean, he's his life was basically saved by Cubs baseball, you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, and that that is his story. I mean, and you know, when he puts on that Cubs uniform, I think it's sort of his escape. You know, he you know he becomes almost a different person. You know, he had been homeless for a long time. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Cubs were, for a long time, you know, that was his escape. And, uh, you know, I think he sort of feels like he has almost superpower, uh, you know, it's almost like his superpowers when he puts on that uniform, um, you know. I ran into him many a times, and he's always been positive. You know, that's one thing I like about Ronnie. Oh, that was a rough game. Oh, we'll get him tomorrow. We'll get him tomorrow, Stu. <laughs> we were watching the game yesterday, um, you know, the last beating that the Cubs gave the Reds, praise God, um, at, at the bar. And every time I would start to say something like, oh, the bullpen sucks, you know, something's going to happen, Ronnie would stop me and say, what's the score? Who's winning? <laughs> like, he, he is, to your point, he's just Mr. Positivity. He, he is living the enthusiasm of being a Cubs fan. And, and I, he reminds you that, you know, even when things are annoying in the game it's just a beautiful game and the Cubs are a beautiful team and cheer up kiddo so it's kind of funny how our expectations have risen so much you know when they were when they set the record for the most one run games in a row there we're all thinking oh it's the it's the end but they still have had the best record in the National League so yeah and it's the truth about the change expectations I mean we've gone to three NLCSs in a row and I still was belly aching after game five last year right Yep. The truth. Well, this is the golden age of Cubs baseball, and I did read the other day, which should be no surprise, but, you know, when when the Cubs make it to the playoffs this year, it'll be the first time ever they made it four times in a row, which is yeah, yeah, amazing. Just, like, if you tried telling that to my grandma, you know, when I was a kid, like, she never would have believed it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you got, it's important to keep that in mind, certainly. So, I, if I asked you guys when you were 15, 16 years old that you were going to write a book about famous Cub fans after they won the World Series. What's this book mean to you guys personally? Besides just putting a product out there, I'm sure it's probably a, a dream come true for both of you. Well, we donated actually both our, our, our author proceeds go to uh, one of three charities that we're supporting. And 
part of the reason Randy and I were committed to doing that is because this is such a dream project, and no, certainly not, if you'd asked me when I was 16 if I'd be writing a book. You know, maybe if you'd asked me were you going to write a book about the Cubs, I would have said maybe, but certainly not the book that we have. Um, so Randy and I both have day jobs, and we're both just so overjoyed that, to be part of this that we felt like it was a good opportunity to give back to the community, too. So we're supporting, among others, um, the scoreboard charities and the Chicago Baseball Cancer Charities. Um, who's the Chicago one? Baseball Museum. Chicago Baseball Museum, which is looking for a permanent home. So the, the ability to sort of pay it forward with this dream project is, uh, you know, on a whole other level, satisfying and amazing. Yeah, that's the important part we left out. Yeah, yeah. That's huge. And where can people buy the book? that we've been speaking so highly of here. <laughs> you can buy the uh, print edition of the book, uh, the paperback edition, uh, through the, directly through the publisher, uh, Eckhart's Press, that's E-C-K-H-A-R-T-Z, press.com. Uh, and uh, there's an uh, e-book edition uh, available on Kindle uh, through Amazon. Um, and uh, those are the places you can buy it right now. Um, uh, the only places in bookstores right now, I think the only bookstore that's carrying it right now is here in Chicago, uh, the, um, the bookseller in Lincoln Square. Um, but uh, hopefully it'll, you know, if the word gets out, maybe we can get it into a few other places. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing I was t saying before is the Cubs Nation is so big. There's so many fans out there. And the goal, our goal is to unite everybody in the one little place instead of having all these segments and... Uh, you know, maybe we can get you guys out to Club 400. For, uh, you know, we moved some books for uh, David Kaplan and uh, Jesse Rogers on our last two events. But I do like this book. I like any books that comes from the fans' perspective because at the end, baseball, the Cubs, they don't exist without the fan. The fan is the most important and probably the forgotten part of you know baseball. We'd love to be, be at a future event. You know, anytime I get to connect... It, our book signing was very well attended, and this is a humble brag, but we had the Budweiser, Clydesdales, Fergie, Jenkins stop by. I mean, it was you know, we had it at a, the Murphy's Bleachers. Murphy's Bleachers. It was just a cavalcade of everything that you think of, you know, when you are associated with the Cubs. And for me, the best part of my day was just asking the people who wanted us to sign their books, you know, where are you from? How did you become a Cub fan? That was the highlight of the day for me, was hearing all those little individual stories. Yeah, exactly. There's, like I said, there's so many great stories out there, and I appreciate you bringing 31 of the famous Cub fans' stories in your book. I'm definitely going to get a copy, and I'm looking forward to meeting you both, and I want to tell you guys thanks a lot for spending some time on Club 400 Radio. Everybody, go out there and get your copy of Cub Sessions, man. Yeah, one more time, it's Eckhart's Press, E-C-K-H-A-R-T-Z Press.com, or... Eckhart's with an E. Yep. E-A-H-A-R-T-Z press.com. Very close. And, and uh, version is available through Amazon. Through Amazon Kindle. Everybody's yep. got the Amazon Kindle. My daughter, my five-year-old daughter has the Amazon Kindle. I'm sure she'll <laughs> love the book. She also has my cell phone half the time. That's why it's dead. But uh, Well, I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll get together soon. And good luck with the book. Uh, we'll promote it for you guys as much as we can. And uh, thanks a lot for being a part yeah, of Club Thank you very Radio. much. Go Cubs. Yeah, okay, let's go get them. Thank you. This is the end. Beautiful friend. 
This is the end. 